Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal. A safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller. I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and this episode is being recorded on Friday, January 15th, 2021. A pretty busy day, as it's the international signing period, it's the arbitration deadline as players and teams exchange salaries, and the Chicago White Sox officially announced the Liam Hendricks signing. Speaking of Hendricks, the last two years have been terrific for him after a pretty rough start to his career. Kind of a similar turnaround like Lucas Giolito that that we've seen. Both had terrible seasons, and then all of a sudden, they are considered one of the best, if not the best, at their roles in Major League Baseball. What caught my attention is that both Hendricks and Giolito referenced the help of Codify, And I was stumped. I haven't heard of Codify until Giolito mentioned it in a tweet before the 2020 season. And whatever Codify is doing must be working because the amount of pitchers that are using it continues to grow and Giolito continues to get better. So I wanted to know more about Codify. And that's when I found Michael Fisher, the owner and creator of Codify. So what is Codify about and how does it help a number of pitchers in the majors today? Well, let's ask him as he joins us now on the Sox Machine podcast for the first time. And Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, you guys are quickly becoming uh, a team that I really watch closely. I've tried to stay as objective as I can, but boy, uh, the way you guys are building your team uh, and, and now with my friend Liam joining my friends, Lucas and Yasmani, it's uh, White Sox have been on my mind a lot in the last couple of days. Yeah. And uh, you know, hopefully for your sake, 
that clientele list continues to grow because the success, as I mentioned, that Lucas Giolito had in 2020, and obviously the turnaround that Liam Hendricks has had. Now, I think everyone agrees he's the best closer in the game of baseball, and it's exciting that he's going to be pitching for the White Sox. But for the the fans that don't know anything about Codify, like myself, uh, before I started doing research uh, this past week, what is Codify and how did it come to be? Well, Codify has been around a long time. We started uh, as a financial analytics company and did that for many, many years, uh, more than I'd want to enumerate, but (laughs) uh, uh, went to a family reunion about 10 years ago and my uncle had remarried and introduces me to this, you know, really nice lady and we're talking and uh, she says, oh, my, my boy plays for the Oakland A's. And I thought that was cute. I'm sure, it's, he, I'm sure he's eight years old and plays for the Williamsport A's or whatever it was. No, she said Oakland A's and it turns out it's Dan Straley, long story short. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? So I'm like, wait a second. So is he my, so he's my step cousin or what's happening here? <laughs> so, uh, so now, I mean, I've been an A's fan all my life. So after they convinced me it wasn't a prank and I saw some birth certificates and verified it, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I got to meet Dan and, uh, you know, he was tearing up the, the minors then and tolerated me uh, and my, my fandom. And I couldn't help him that much anyway. All we had is the pitch effects stuff and we didn't really have it available for the minors. Years went by. 2016, he got DFA'd twice in a week and my phone rings and, sa- and he says, what, what can you do to help me? Mm-hmm. Um, again, long story short, it's a huge story here, but really it was looking at his pitch path and realizing the, the Cubs and the Astros had, had kind of got him velocity obsessed. And when you try to throw as hard as you can, if you're a normal guy, your arm drops down and the ball's running instead of rising too much and it's running right into bats. And so we got his arm up and, uh, you know, the second he started getting guys out. And the second thing he said was, how do I get, how can I get maps? Cause I see maps on fan graphs <clears throat> and uh, like, well, we, I need to build something. I don't have any idea how easy that would be. And, began the process that has lasted for, you know, has been going on for four, coming on five years of just constantly trying to make uh, better maps. Uh, once Dan had success and everyone's looking at him wondering how the hell he's getting batters out uh, with his 90 mile an hour fastball that, that started to spread around the league. Yeah, Dan crushed in the KBO last year. 15 yes. and four, 2.5 ERA. 205 strikeouts and 194 innings. He he helped my DraftKings teams a lot. He, he led the world in strikeouts last year. He did. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Right. That is crazy. He should, he should definitely put that on his resume. I led the world in strikeouts in right. 2020. That's awesome. I, 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 was, I was fortunate to connect with his team. Uh, we had a really ambitious uh, setup in mind before COVID hit where I was going to supply maps to the entire team and they would have I, I don't know what would have happened, but I mean, 10 more wins, 15 more wins, that's something that sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but COVID hit and it kind of killed their budget. And But we did end up getting a data stream that allowed me to provide Dan with these kind of maps for KBO, which look a lot different. As you know, they you know they swing differently. They have different disciplines. It's, just a, it's different. And uh, he went into battle with an idea of what to do. And, and you know, no one had seen him before, so he's obviously very talented and he, he, he gets a lot out of this information though. He's used it for years and it had a lot to do with his success. He would have done okay, obviously without him, but it, you know, 
he did extra well with them and had something that no one else had. So as Dan mentioned to you, and I think for a lot of people that have been following baseball the last decade, we've seen heat maps for years and, you know, they've been publicly using the pitch FX data and, you know, everything's in these nine sections and then baseball savant takes it a step further and they're charting things outside of the strike zone. Sure. And, uh, you know, baseball, just like any other, you know, sport, you know, you got two sides trying to get a competitive advantage against each other, the hitters and pitchers, and they're looking at these charts, but pitch FX data with TrackMan and now new technologies being incorporated, it's evolving really quick and it's evolved a lot over the last five years. How has that data uh, helped you improve your offering to pitchers today that are asking for maps? Uh, a great deal. Uh, the pitch effects originally, like pre-track man, if I remember correctly, was just three cameras, uh, which caused all kinds of holes and problems and inaccuracies. And then they went to track man, they started using radar, uh, had a, a nice leap in performance there but now now Hawkeye is what 12 cameras uh what is it five of them are 100 feet per uh, frames per second mm -hmm. uh capturing everything a guy drops his hat or his glove and it, we're getting rpms and <laughs> spin rate on the hat and glove uh we see everything everywhere there's actually more data now than teams can use uh so we've gone from trying to squeeze as much out I mean pitch effects originally wouldn't even track the ball out of the hand it would track it would pick it up 50 feet from the plate and you'd you kind of mathematically play out, well, I guess it came out of his hand somewhere around here to get into that path. And now we're seeing everything at all times. So that's helped a great deal, just taking some of that fuzziness of the data out. Um, the maps you see on uh, fan graphs are historical. So, you know, if you're up to bat and I throw a ball right past you and it goes right down the middle and you take it for a strike, and that's the only pitch I threw there, then you're gonna see something, uh, the equivalent of what I would show as blue but what I do is more predictive and it considers the situation and how often it's happened and how often it's happened around the league and what guys like me have done against guys like you. And it's more predictive. So Lucas Giolito, he's a big fan of your services. Like I mentioned the intro, there's a tweet in July of 2020 that he raves about Codify and sure enough, he goes and he throws a no hitter last year. Uh, my first question on that is one, did you frame that map that you provided <laughs> before he made that start against Pittsburgh? Yes. Have you heard that story? Cause I haven't. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it was not long after I said, uh, you know, I asked him, reached out and said, if, if I can find a, a nifty way to take the maps and put them with like a picture of you screaming after the no hitter or something, you know, can I get that to you to sign so I can frame it? Like, absolutely. Uh, it still gives me goosebumps to think about how, how amazing that was. Uh, it's a great example of how these maps work. He went in against the Pirates and, you know, what does he know about the Pirates? And what is he being told about the Pirates? And what do they mm -hmm. know about him? Well, he had a pretty good plan against them. And uh, he just he just abused them that day. It was, it was an amazing game, for sure. Do you ever look at maps like that before that start and say, oh, man, you are going to have a good night or maybe vice versa. Oh, man, this could be tough. Yes. Uh, I think Lucas is on a short list of people where I've engaged him for the first time and I run his maps and think, oh, crap, there's there's something wrong with my algorithm here. Because in Giolito's case, like his 
the blue on his changeup is like almost off to the top of the zone and nobody has that, but, but he really does. And so uh, when he faces a team like that, that is uh, a little bit more offensively challenged like the pirates, mm-hmm. the, the maps are screaming blue and you're like, well, this could be, this could be interesting. You never know if a ball is going to run into a bat here and there, but his maps for that game were extra blue for sure. Probably, you know, without me quantifying it, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they were the bluest of the year coming in. That's awesome. Well, yeah, you know, his turnaround story again, though, to go from one of the worst starting pitchers of the majors to what I think is a current top 10 starting pitcher in the league, working with Lucas and mapping as far as, you know, his game plans before each of these starts, you know, from your perspective, Michael, do you think Giolito has more room for growth as he reached his ceiling as a starting pitcher? No, there's no chance. Um, Obviously, the age is a, an indicator that a lot of people use, but, you know, he's only used this for 13 starts, uh, including the postseason game. Uh, he's Which still on the learning. Awesome. Right, right. Uh, he's still on the learning curve, uh, not because of any shortcomings of him. He's actually he actually adapts and, and uses this stuff better than most. But it, it, take, it takes a lot of time to continue to grow with this and know how you're going to locate your pitches with it and mix. Um, you know, you throw out that first game that he had and what was the ZRA like uh, 262 or something after that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally agree with you 100%. He's a top 10 starting pitcher. Uh, he's learning uh, a new curveball now. Ethan Katz is here. Uh, 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 you know, we know how well they've worked together. And I, I'm completely convinced that he's not at his ceiling. Uh, I mean, as much as I can without making predictions, we don't know what's going to happen with health and all that stuff. But I have no reason to believe that. Uh, that he's not going to continue to grow. Well, I'm putting money on him to win the American League Cy Young in 2021. So I hope you're right. Whatever predictions you're holding back, right? I hope well, they're right. <laughs> right. I don't want to say Black Sox, but like I have this reflexive thing. Whenever a sentence has like betting and baseball in it, you know, I kind of yeah. Uh, but if I were a betting man, <laughs> you know, uh, that that game that uh, he pitched where I had uh, actually helped Jesus Lazardo. And we had, so you had Giolito against Lizardo and they both had maps against the other <laughs> their opponents, which is just like, what do I, what do I do here? Let's go. Come on. One to nothing. Yep. I, who do I root for? <laughs> um, but I'm looking at them and thinking probably what you were of like, these guys could both have Cy Young's one day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe almost should, or it would be disappointing. So, so I'm with you um, definitely on the top 10. And I believe, I believe there's not only just room, like, hypothetical room for growth but i mean there's a path that we can see that he's going to take if he if this curveball he's working on uh ends up being serviceable enough to mix in what pardon me but what the hell are you doing if you're a batter against lucas giolito because if it's going to tunnel with that fastball right right i i I don't know what you do right i I think you got to take the nelson cruz (laughs) approach of if you're throwing a fastball i mean i gotta swing like that's cruz's approach and it seems to work so hopefully he finds a national league team to sign with, but right. <laughs> Cruz, Cruz is actually a great example um, of how these maps work. Uh, he, he makes it, I don't want to say easy because there's nothing he does to, you know, really come off that way, but, but Cruz has kind of a one key swing and he's not going to go up there and grab that up and away pitch or bend his knees down, try to golf one out. He's going to swing a certain way. He's going to decide if he's going to swing. The bat's going to go through a pretty, tight area, you know, a foot and a half or whatever it is. And that's what these maps show is 
you're, you're you're kind of screwed if you miss as we as we know that's why we that's why we're talking about Nelson Cruz but there are areas to abuse Nelson Cruz if you can execute and uh, uh, Lucas had a game where he got eight swinging strikes against Nelson Cruz in one game uh, no one did that against a batter anywhere and certainly not Nelson Cruz uh, he, he had a roadmap and he had the, the skill, the tough part, the skill to, to execute and, you know, humbled a great hitter that day for sure. I remember that game. Folks in Minneapolis were wondering if Cruz was hurt because no. they never see him struggle that bad. It, if you go back and look at all where those eight pitches were, they were perfectly executed. And that, you know, I never say never, but Nelson Cruz is not going to hit those pitches with his swing. He's not going to change it. He knows how he gets paid. And again, that, that's what these maps are, are good at fishing out is, like a Matt Olson, like he's not going to, he's not going to go after this pitch up here. So mm-hmm. he's going to golf these, these 40 balls over the fence down here and get paid a bunch of money. And if he tries to change his swing to go up and get it, he's not going to hit 40 home runs. So uh, pretty interesting to see that play out in, in the maps. So that's an example of a pitcher reaching out to you. Have catchers right. starting to come to you asking for maps or asking for help? Yes. If you don't know this, um, wonderful story. Yasmani Grandal is the very first one. Uh, Lucas uh, showed him the maps a couple of weeks in and Yasmani texts me uh, kind of out of the blue. And again, I'm thinking it's a prank when one of the, what, what the top two mm-hmm. on anybody's list catchers in the world is <clears throat> asking you for information. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but he wanted to see maps and he ended up uh, purchasing some maps for a couple of, uh, of their starters and kind of, we kind of rotated through because uh, Rodon got hurt and some other guys were kind of coming and going. Um, but yes, uh, it's a wonderful dynamic to have a catcher have this information as well as the pitcher. Uh, otherwise, you have a pitcher up there shaking his head and kind of tug of war, tug of warring with the catcher uh, a lot. And uh, Max Stassi and Jason Castro used them last year. Uh, and I'll take as many catchers as I, I as I can get because it really lightens the load on the pitcher. And when the pitcher trusts that the catcher's on board and they've talked before and the catcher has the maps the pitcher can worry about executing the pitch uh, with confidence. And that's, that's where this stuff will really tear up the league for sure. Now that's good to know. Cause White Sox fans do have that question entering the season. Cause James McCann signed with the New York Mets. McCann right. caught most of Giolito starts uh, the last two seasons. How is that dynamic going to work between Giolito and Grandal? Well, if they're both using the same maps then it's pretty easy to come up with a game plan because you're working off the same type of data. So that's pretty exciting. I have right. to ask about the flip side. Okay. So you're helping one side of the game have hitters started to come and ask you for maps so they could at least have some counterintelligence against the pitchers they're about to face. They have, uh, no one's uh, paying, you know, regularly for them. Some, some, some of like body map here and there, uh, you know, batters are reacting pitchers are, are proactive in their, their, you know, they're holding the ball and all that stuff. So uh, that hasn't caught on as much, but it, it's coming up a lot in conversation. And some hitters are saying, I, I don't necessarily want the map. I'm facing Lucas Giolito. I didn't ne- necessarily want the map against him because, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of screwed anyway, but is there any way I can pay you enough to not give him my map? <laughs> Which is like, okay, so I'm sitting here going, you know, does, Codify doesn't really want to like eBay maps, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Changes the approach. <laughs> it, it just it doesn't have a good feel to it. It feels a little greasy, but 
but it is coming up a lot. Um, there's one interesting story I, I can tell you about that. The very first batter to ask for maps uh, was through Straley. It was Ichiro. Oh. And he, right. And like, I'm getting goosebumps again talking about this, but he, he walks by Dan and um, he's like, what are you looking at? And they, they had the conversation. He's like, well, what would my maps look like tonight against whoever they were playing? And he saw him and he, he told Dan, he's like, I'm, I'm surprised that I have blue in that spot. And he went back and looked and he saw that they were kind of attacking him there, whether they knew that they should or not, but he was having, uh, wasn't having success there. It, was, it wasn't that he wasn't hitting the ball, but he was getting into outs. Uh, anyway, so he tells Dan, he's like, well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to work on that in the cage tonight and just, just see what happens. He hits a home run that night. Um, which like what just happened on a pitch that was pretty close. It's a couple inches from that blue spot. So, you know, I thought that might go somewhere after that, but, but each row just took the information to kind of change his game. He was whatever age that, at, at that time mm-hmm. uh, and, and went away, but I could see, I could see hitters, uh, especially in the off season. Um, you know, you hear about Mike Trout getting pissed that he only dominates 96% of the zone and, there's some little tiny area where guys are abusing him or whatever. And I could see, I could see batters wanting to see, let me see my maps against 30 pit pitchers and kind of see where the chinks in my armor are and deciding if I want to change my swing. But during the year, you know, Nelson Cruz isn't going to burn down his swing. So uh, you just don't see it as much. They're just reacting and they're just waiting for the pitcher to make a mistake, to be honest. So when you're looking at these maps and you're working with the pitchers and now catchers, what pitching feature do you think is most telling how successful a pitcher could be, especially in the major leagues? Is it velocity? Is it spin rate? Is it command? Obviously you need a little bit of all three to be successful, but out of those three, what do you think is most successful? Well, yeah, as you said, you need a little of all three. And if you have, if you have like hyper velocity, you know, if you can throw out a hundred that buys you a lot of tickets to, to uh, not have great command as we've seen, but I've seen guys with good command and just really crappy velocity and nothing special in terms of movement or spin really just dominate games. I work with Tommy Malone, who mm. uh, I remember his first pitch uh, game he, he threw last year. He threw an 86 mile an hour of change. Uh, uh, excuse me. See, I just did it. He threw an 86 mile an hour fastball. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the announcer's like, a t- you know, change up, ball one or whatever. And like, no, that's his, that's his fastball. He throws it at 86 miles an hour. But that guy can put it into a teacup uh, a lot, and he had a he had a really uh, he didn't have a lot of blue in his maps, but he could hit them. And when he was on, I mean, he he survived before he got traded to the Braves in the American League East last uh, last year. So, uh, you know, it's hard for me not to say command because the com- the maps are looking at how fast you throw and how your ball spins and how it moves and your release point and all that stuff. And then based on where it arrives, this is how good or bad I think it is. So it's, it's considering all that stuff, but then saying, can you get it here? And if you can get it into your blue consistently, then you're, you have a job. I asked that question because we also follow the draft quite closely. And when you're looking at college and even prep pitchers, mm-hmm. obviously everyone goes gaga about velocity. Wow, this kid just hit 97, 98. But a lot of these pitchers flame out or they get to the major <clears throat> leagues. They're just not effective because they just don't have the command to live in the strike zone. Right. And that's why I was, that's why I asked that question because I'm curious from even my perspective as someone that writes 
talks about this. And even as a fan watching the game, it seems like we've been overvaluing velocity of a pitcher and undervaluing command. If that makes any sense, like we've forgotten that, Hey, if a guy like Tommy Malone throws 86 miles per hour, well, there's no use for him in today's major league baseball, but now the white Sox have signed (laughs) Dallas Keuchel and it's really changed my mind thinking that prime Mark Burley could still Mm -hmm. be really good in today's game. Right, right. And yesterday you faced somebody that was thrown 97, 98, and then you get Keuchel or maybe not the same sentence, but Tommy Malone. Uh, That's definitely an issue. The guys are, you know, the pitchers are throwing faster. So the batters are reacting and trying to learn how to hit the faster pitches. And you can actually see you, you kind of have to squint, but you can kind of see that the guys that can command an 89, 90, 91 are having better results than they had before. Not, not, you know, too significantly, but they're getting a little better as batters hone their swing to try to figure out a way to hit the 96 and 97. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Now, prior to this season and even a little bit last year, because I have a question about technology as someone that is using the technology today mm-hmm. uh, to provide a game plan for pitchers and catchers. You know, we we've heard that multiple hitters were voicing their concern. Uh, Javier Baez, for example, with the Chicago Cubs, not being able to watch <clears throat> video of their at bats during games last season, thanks to the cheating efforts of Houston and Boston. Now, some fans hear that and they like it because it reminds them of the good mm-hmm. old days. I understand where hitters are coming from because it's just, it's getting tougher. You got, you're facing higher velocities and more spin than ever before. Where do you side as far as the available technology for players during games? Like, would you be able to like to create an app that's on an iPad that Giolito or Hendricks or Gondal can go to during a game uh, if they're going to have a pinch hitter come up and they got to quickly check the map on how to attack? Uh, or do you kind of fall on the old school side of you get to see it pregame, but you got to make the adjustments as a human being during the game? Right. I have a, you know, I have a way I want to go from a pitcher's perspective for sure, but I, I don't know how good that is for the game. Uh, I, I, I think, frankly, we should probably be, be careful and limit what we are allowing to be used during the games. Now, I, I saw a good stat that the, the third time through for a starter last year, I know we had a short season, but we still played a 60 game season. And, uh, you know, we didn't see league wide that the third time through that the for the first time in I don't know how long uh, that the results uh, weren't worse the, the, on the third time through they were they were a little better and it's kind of you know someone was saying and I kind of bought it that it's because of what you just described is hitters couldn't run back in there and watch the video and kind of pick it up for the next time that they faced a guy that's a big deal now if I had a, to exaggerate if I had a computer and I sat in the White Sox dugout and I'm using an app and I'm mixing pitches with the app and it's considering these maps and randomly but intelligently based on the maps choosing pitches and we're relaying them to the mound then honestly the White Sox win whatever 110 games and it'd be a huge advantage Uh, I know they limit how or at least they're supposed to limit how much the iPads they have talk outside the the area they have to make sure that's happening for sure Uh, again I, I I I think the you know the more the more Computing power you have during the game, the more you can really take advantage of the the side that's using it. So video, uh, you know, it's too bad that 
what happened happened and we can't just have a damn TV sitting there where guys can just look. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I think, I think, uh, you know, anything now that can be abused now, and if the team isn't going to follow the rules or the spirit of the rules, then, I mean, we probably, probably have to crack down on it. And I think, I don't know how they're going to police it any more than they already have. I think you're going to have to see uh, more of what we already saw. And I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not hearing any rumblings that anytime soon they're going to go back to the way it was with video. So uh, probably for the uh, long, uh, long answer, short answer for the good of the game, I would say you, you better limit the, the during game technology because right now we can, we can have a, we have so much monstrous computing power. We have Hawkeye tracking uh, 19 point skeletal movement. I can literally see if I look and I can do it in real time, I can see that you choked up on the bat or you moved toward the plate or you lifted your heel. And I know that when you do those things, you do something else, you swing or you whatever. And I could relay all that. I, we can't let any of that happen. So uh, gotta, gotta limit, <laughs> gotta limit the use of technology during games uh, pretty significantly. Uh, a screen on the TV in the dugout or near the dugout would be one thing. Uh, as long as you could control where it's pointed and all that stuff, but can't get too much friskier than that. I don't think you, you bring up some really good points, especially again, on how much this technology is evolving and how it we're If you, if you continue to move in this direction, they have it in real time. We're going to pretty soon just have humanoids, you know, humans acting like robots playing the game. And I don't know if that would be good for the game or not, but that's just something that I, constantly think about especially with hitters uh complaining that they don't have access to video uh during the games anymore now in 2021 everything seems to be pointing to major league baseball is going to push through and they're going to try to play 162 game season in in 2021 Mm. and in 2020 there was only 60 games plus the postseason games how do you think pitchers will fare coming from a shortened 2020 season campaign and now try to ramp up back to a full 162 game season? I think the teams are keeping a close eye on that. I've seen a lot of uh, rumblings about six man rotations and, and more significant pitch limitations. I, I know last year, you know, we, we started up, we were going to go and then the, the season fizzled for a while. And when we came back, you know, me personally, I saw enough of, uh, you know, a link between how I know certain guys continued to prepare away from baseball while it was down and, and how they did when they came back. I know some guys were, you know, they weren't going to a gym with other guys and working out. They didn't have a catcher. They didn't have the equipment. They were just on their side yard with a chain link fence. Uh, and some of those guys did okay, but those guys tended to not do as well. The guys that weren't staying up and ready. Now, right, right now this year, I haven't done this for a lot of time, but I, I think I can say that I'm noticing there was a lot less downtime this year, maybe because people couldn't travel. Like they, you know, usually they save the, these guys save their travel plans for November and December. And I, they won't answer the phone if I call them because they're in Tahiti or wherever. Uh, but this year they didn't do that and they kind of kept throwing. They, they weren't down as much. Um, so they're staying ready. Uh, I don't know what that means for wear and tear. I don't know what that means if you're not Lance Lynn and, and you want to tr- try to throw hundred pitches for starts in a row. But um, I think the teams are going to be on top of that and are preparing for uh, a 2021 with a full season, but not guys that necessarily can, 
fill it, fill it up the same way that, that they normally can, whether they can or not. I think some pitchers will be able to, uh, certainly like Giolito, based on what I know, is going to be perfectly ready, to, just like he always would be. Um, but other guys, n- not so much. And uh, But those guys, I think, will, will root themselves out and probably get replaced pretty quickly. When you rely on the Internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on Internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible x gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. We had a couple of fan questions from our Patreon supporters. The first one comes from Chef Eric. And uh, Michael, Chef Eric is asking, do you have any long-held beliefs about baseball or pitching that changed after forming Codify and your help with Major League Pitchers? And his also side question is, will Liam Hendricks send you a White Sox jersey now and will you wear it? <laughs> uh, the easy one is the second part. I hope so and absolutely. Um, whether it fits or not is debatable. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would love to have a matcher for that the A's one he gave me from the 2019 postseason. Uh, and here come the goosebumps again. Uh, the the first part. Uh, there's there's learnings constantly. Uh, Liam was actually just on a podcast with Pitching Ninja, and um, which actually I arranged uh, as a favor for both of them, and you know it's really a favor for me, I suppose. Uh, but Liam is during the middle of that. At some point, he says, "When I get a swinging strike during an at bat, and the at bat isn't over, I throw the same pitch again, the same pitch type, almost always." And I'm, you know, cringing and like, "My God, don't like never say it out loud, right?" Um, but anyway, so so I knew he did that a lot, and I didn't really realize how often he did it. So I went and looked, and yeah, he 94 percent of the time last year he let's just say through a fastball and got a swing strike, you just throw another one. He knows where his blue is. He knows, you know, he can kind of command it. And if you've ever seen a Liam Hendricks fastball, you know, you have your, your work cut out for it. Mm-hmm. Even if he says, Hey mate, you know, here comes a fastball. So um, when I looked at the pitches, the results of those pitches that followed the swinging strike, I saw only a scratch single of all those pitches. He, he didn't get shelled on that, even though, you know, guys pretty, pretty sure they know what's coming. Um, I think it's, I think what this has all taught me is it's okay to have uh, preconceptions about how you think things are, but now we have information and we can kind of dig in and, and test all those theories and, you know, sometimes form new ones. So, uh, Lucas Giolito throwing his change up in the zone. If I didn't have these maps and I just saw one Lucas Giolito pitch, uh, I would wonder why the hell he threw a change up in the upper half of the zone. Um, but now with this information, I'm pretty much begging him. <laughs> uh, not necessarily to target the upper upper part, but um, you know, if you miss there, Lucas, it's okay. It's not the best place for your changeup, but if you miss there, you you can survive. And other guys, it would be complete suicide to hang a changeup to float a changeup in there in the upper half of the zone. Um, so again, a long answer where a short one might have been better, which is uh, yes, plenty of preconceptions that we couldn't test, and every day that goes by, we have the time and the data to, to go check stuff out. And sometimes it's a learning that a pitcher can go out on the mound and, and uh, add to what he's doing and, and have a big performance game. 
Chef Eric, thank you so much for your question. Our next question comes from Azenrec. And Azenrec is asking, what preconceptions do organizations have about your methods and how do you respond to them? Well, the that has certainly evolved over the years. Uh, I know when I first started out and my maps began to be seen in dugouts or in bullpens. Uh, and by the way, I totally understand this. And I probably would have done exactly the same thing. Uh, there was some animosity. There were a lot of walls put up. Some teams tried to ban the usage of the, of the information. To, you know, I understand it, uh, a lot of that back then. Um, I used to work for, like I said, a long time for in the financial industry. And if we were trying to set up lo bank loans or something like that, and some guy was in a parking lot saying, hey, do it this way or whatever, I, hey, who is this guy? Um, now there's a track record and you see the Liam's and the Lucas's and, uh, you know, Stroman is on board and Kevin Gosman and Trevor May and McCullers Jr. Uh, these guys are, are all having gains from like tied back right to when they started to use this and there's a track record. So, so teams have really generally, uh, certainly as a group come around, uh, I don't, I, I've only, uh, you know, there's only a couple teams I think that are kind of staying in the dark ages and still trying to put the walls up. But frankly, uh, I don't, I'm not working for the teams. I'm trying to help the players. Uh, it's a dynamic that the players like a lot because they're not negotiating their contracts with me. Mm -hmm. So they, they don't have to worry. Like, like, you know, you were, let's say you were arbitration eligible and you, you know, you guys don't agree and you go to your hearing and I'm the team and sorry, but I have to talk about how you aren't that good and you don't deserve that much money. And you go through that whole, whole horrible process, just the way it is. And a month goes by and now we're in spring training. And now I'm telling you how to, how to throw the ball or how to get this guy out. And that has sat weird with, with a number of my guys. They, they like having this outside, uh, you know, more objective uh, influence that seems to, and does uh, care more specifically about them. Um, whether that's, you know, like I say, I don't see too many teams still still pushing back. And when they do, the players say, I, I'm trying to feed my family. I can only make uh, money for so long. And if you give me something better, I will use it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, I have to use this information. There's there's too many people succeeding. And frankly, you know, if if the more guys that use this, the more that the more it impacts the ones that don't. So. Uh, you know, if I was if 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 I wasn't in the first uh, batch of fifty guys that are using this, I'd be looking at it wondering why I wasn't. You know, and and the teams, you know, the teams can't really stop it at that point. Yeah, I got four emails asking if you could fix Dylan Cease, uh, just as an example of people that uh, should reach out to you. That's that's top of mind as far as White Sox fans. But no, that's that, that's really good to know. And you know. It, it is such an interesting concept. Again, we're recording this at the deadline when you have a lot of pitchers exchanging salaries with teams. Right. And you're absolutely right. Like if Lucas Giolito and the White Sox can't agree, the White Sox have to go to arbitration and try to convince that mediator. Uh, yeah. Lucas Giolito wasn't as good as his numbers said that he was. Right. It's just like, you don't have much of a ground to stand on. White Sox, Lucas is going to own you and you're going to lose this case. Like that's, that's fascinating to me. So, right. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, with the, with the White Sox um, and the Liam signing, it was, uh, it almost sounds 
unreal, but he, he went on record in the Chronicles uh, as saying it. So I, I, I feel comfortable saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, when he, when teams would approach him in free agency, he started off with, I work for Codify, I work with Codify. You need to not just accept it, but embrace it. The more you do that, the more I'm interested in you. And okay, let's talk about money. And, you know, it sounds like that can't be right. I mean, that doesn't make sense. Well, it does in his case. He He's the biggest supporter I think we have of this. And you've heard Giolito. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam, just like every chance he gets is going to tell you this turned him around. The White Sox have done that. They have been completely supportive and gone out of their way to, to reach out, to understand it. Uh, Ethan Katz has called here to say, I'm, I'm, I'm coming on board. I'm trying to win. I want to hear more about this. I'm not here to stand in the way of it. I want to support you. I'd love it if you could support me. We're trying to win a championship. The other teams weren't doing that. And, you know, you know, that 50, 50 plus million dollars is its own thing, but you know, it was, it was a big deal to Liam. I'm telling you that that support was there from, from the White Sox organization and, and obviously star pitcher, star catcher that just wasn't there for the, for the other teams. Who, who obviously, you know, had their own issues, whether or not you can have a pit bull in their city or right. whether or not you're in a cheating scandal or whatever. Those were obviously, you know, pockmarks on, on them too. So, but it was a big deal that uh, the whites, kudos to the White Sox is really what I'm saying for, for being supportive of what works and not worrying about, I think, as Rick Katz said in The Athletic, you know, not being so hung up on where it came from. Like they're trying to win a championship and talk is cheap. They've, they've walked it. And, and tip of the cap to them for sure. Well, you could follow Codify on Twitter. They're at Codify Baseball. I highly recommend it because you also do some collaboration with Pitching Ninja on these highlight clips on Twitter that I'm seeing where you show off some of the maps. Like I think there's a video of Jacob deGrom pitching into <laughs> right. one of your maps. Right. I'm glad I don't have to print maps for him because uh, we don't have that much blue ink, but <laughs> but it's amazing it is uh, like a kershaw it's just amazing to see like well this is why you know clayton kershaw and why he's so good he, look at this blue and he doesn't know it he does he doesn't know where my blue for him is but he clearly knows where his breaking balls and fastballs work so yeah the the ninja step collaboration has been great yeah so if you want to see these maps in action uh, so you can pair on the result of the picture and how the maps work. Again, go on Twitter and follow uh, Michael at Codify Baseball. And Michael, this has been very informative and very helpful for me to learn about Codify. Whatever you are doing to help Giolito, <laughs> Hendricks, and Grandal, please continue to do so because the White Sox, as you mentioned, have some championship aspirations in 2021. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show. Thanks for having me. You have a good day. That will do it for this Sox Machine podcast episode. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and now Amazon Music. Follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. If you enjoy our work at Sox Machine, consider signing up for our Patreon where our supporters get additional content, ad-free versions of the podcast, and are able to submit questions to our guests like Chef Eric and Azenrec did. We have several tiers of support, starting at just $2 a month. Visit patreon.com slash socksmachine to sign up today. The Socks Machine Podcast is a production of socksmachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. 
I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.